greetings for you today. The first one, I just want to welcome. Uh, today, Calvary Africa is joining us back in the main house as a part of our main service. So if you're part of Calvary Africa, would you stand up, please? Would you welcome them back into this main sanctuary service? We love you, Calvary Africa. We're so, so glad. Amen. That God's brought you back to uh, work with us. Pastor Claude and myself have been com in conversation and praying for a while about this. And we just really believe that the anointings on their lives, the gifts, and all those things, we need them here with us. We need their faith. We need their leadership. We need their team here with us. And so we welcome you, and we're so glad you're with us today. Amen. Amen. I looked over at, at Pastor Kevin during the praise portion of praise worship. I said, I need to start running again because I was like out of breath. <laughs> so it was Get a great reminder. On. Anybody else? You Get feel like cardio you on. Amen. Amen. Okay, a couple of um, extra quick announcements. One is we are so excited to, um, we've been, we announced a couple of weeks ago that we're doing, Pastor Kevin and myself will be down in the Connections Lounge after service this morning, and we'd love the opportunity to meet you. So if we haven't met you yet uh, and you've got time to stick around, please make your way down there at the end of service. We just love the opportunity to connect with you. Hello, there we go. Uh, to connect with you and just get to know you just a little bit. So um, that's available at the end of service, and uh, we would so enjoy that. The second thing that I wanted to make you aware of is as you get ready to give your tithes and offerings today, uh, we have a special project we wanted to bring before you. If you're, if you're friends with us, Calvary Orlando on Facebook, you may have seen this come across your feed, uh, but we're partnering with Killarney Elementary. Did I say that right? Okay. Killarney Elementary. And we, uh, for $10, you can sponsor a child back to school with their school supplies. And so uh, we're excited to do that. So you can do $10 or more, whatever amount the Lord puts on your heart, and you can give that however you give your normal offering. Just be sure to designate school. Um, it's somehow, whether it's texting to give or on your check when you drop it in the way out or online, but we're so excited to partner with them. And then uh, one other, now this is a big, this is big, this is kind of epic. So I just need, just, just I'm going to come right here because somehow if I come forward, maybe it'll seem bigger. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but we're so excited about this. We have a big ask. How many of you believe that... Um, God, not, God wants to touch and move in the lives of every person that shows up on a Sunday. Yeah, I do. Say amen. Yeah. Amen. I believe that. How many of you know that God begins to move in a person's life, not just when they come into this room, but from the moment they step on our property or even drive onto our property? Amen. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. And so what we want to do is we are doing what we call a big ask this Sunday and next Sunday. We want to make sure that every person that comes to Calvary is greeted and welcomed and feels loved from the moment they hit the parking lot until the moment they sit down and they drop their kids off in the lobby and they exit and leave. Their whole experience is connected with you, beautiful, loving, and amazing individuals. Because you're the expression of Jesus in their lives. Amen? Like you're, you're his hands extended. But to do that, we need a lot of help. 
Now, we have a current amazing hospitality team. We really do. They're amazing and they're rock stars. But we've decided and realized we need to really pretty much more than triple that team to do this. Because I don't know about you. Have you ever gone somewhere and you've had a poor experience? You couldn't figure out where you were going. Nobody was there to greet you. And it just kind of sets you on edge. You know what I'm talking about? Do you ever go back, like if at a restaurant or somewhere like that, if, if it's a difficult time, do you ever go back? Am I, am I the only one that gets irritated by that? But we want people to have a beautiful experience. We want it to be easy for them to figure out where to take their children. We want them to be greeted. We want them to know exactly where to park. We want all of that to be a beautiful experience. And so what we're doing is we are looking to literally more than triple that team that's formerly called hospitality. It's all going to be morphing into what's called our guest services team. But we need your help. Yes. So we need your help to do this. Uh, the goal would be that you are able to serve at least just maybe twice a month, maybe once a month. So at the end of service today, as you make your way out the doors and down the escalators, we're going to have a couple of tables set up uh, with some balloons and fun party atmosphere. And you're going to have the opportunity to sign up to be a part of that amazing team. You may not have all the details. That's fine. We'll connect with you. We'll give you a call. Uh, we'll make sure you have everything you need. We'll make sure that you're trained. You know exactly what you're doing, but we're so excited about our new guest services team that we need your help. So this is my big ask. Amen. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. You were going to say something about that as yeah, well. Absolutely. So to me, those first impressions, those guest services, they set the tone. They open people's hearts before they ever get in here. If you have a, if you have to find your way on your own, you're lost. You're already, you're already mad before you get in the sanctuary. Has anyone ever been to a church? You are already mad before you got in the sanctuary. Not this church, but other churches, right? You are already mad. I remember going to a restaurant one time and I walked in and I said to the hostess, I said, this is my first time here. And she kind of looked at me and said, I wish I could say that. I mean, she hated her own restaurant she worked at. And I was already mad at the restaurant before I ever sat down. I knew it was going to be a miserable experience. You are the most important beginning uh, portion of this service. You help people's faith, you know, by, by them coming in and, and feeling like we were prepared for them. We, we were waiting for them. We were ready for them feel valuable. They already feel at ease. Walls already begin coming down. And what I love about that team is anyone can be a greeter. Anyone can, you know, open a door or wave in a parking lot and do this. Right? I mean, come on, you could do it right now. I won't make you, but you could do it right now. Anyone can do that. And so I love it because it's an easy team to start with in ministry. It is making a difference. It is not a filler spot. You know, we don't want people there just to stand there. We want people who have a vision for this and can see people and new people and say, oh, they're new, and then kind of say, hey there, how you doing? And, and just be, be the beginning of this story that God has for people here as they enter into a Calvary. And so, yeah, absolutely. If you would go down the escalators at the end of the service and sign up for those uh, team trainings, we'll get you plugged in and we'll do all kinds of development to help you out. Uh, but we need a lot. We need, I think, the, our big number that we would like to see. 140. 140. Can you believe God with us for 140 so look around, volunteers? Start counting. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not asking you right now if you're committing, but I'm going to ask if you'll believe with us for 140. Would you raise your hand? I will believe with you for 140 volunteers in that. All right. So that's our big request today, and we're very excited about that. Uh, two other things, and then we're going to get into the Word today. Lots of stuff today, but that's okay, because this, doing this stuff is also creating church right? You, you, we have stuff that has to be done in order to produce the, the church. 
uh, real quick, this wasn't on the agenda to say, but I saw them when I came in, and I saw Teen Challenge here with us again today. Would you celebrate Teen Challenge with us today, everybody? We really do believe in you guys, and we really believe in what God's doing in your life. God has brought you here for a reason, here today for a reason, but to Teen Challenge for a reason, and he's going to finish what he told you. He who's begun a good work is going to be faithful to finish that work. So don't let the devil talk you out of your journey. Don't let him get you discouraged. Hey, God, God, knew, uh, God knew you, God's called you, and he knows the process you're going to go through, and he wasn't scared when he, when he reached out and pulled you in. Amen? He wasn't intimidated by what it is you're walking through, so he knows how to do it. And so Teen Challenge, we love you. Last thing, and then we're going to get into the Word of God today. Hmm? And this is a big announcement, even bigger than the biggest one we've already had. Next Sunday is our celebration service for the Garvins. Could you just celebrate them today? They may be watching. I'm not sure if they're watching. They may be flying around the country. Look, we are so grateful for Pastor Ed and, and Jody, and we thank, we're thankful that we have this opportunity next week to come together and celebrate the last six and a half, seven years. We want to come and we encourage you to bring cards or letters or something. As ministers, you know, we know that one day in heaven we'll see what our life impacted and, and all that, but it blesses us so much to be able to look at people's stories. Stories keep us going. And so if you could write a letter this week or a card and bring it with you, and then we'll have an opportunity. There's going to be a reception after service, and we're going to have food here and food trucks so you don't have to go anywhere. So just come to be here to celebrate with them, to spend time encouraging them as God is sending them into their next season of world missions and impact. But it's really big on this too. Pastor Ed next week, we have a couple little videos and things we're going to do. But I talked to him this week, and he said, he said Kevin, I really don't want it to be uh, a memory service for the Garvins. He said, I have a word for the church to help launch them into what God's doing in their next season. And I want to be here, and I want you to be here ready with that heart that says, speak to us, Lord, because God is all about doing things well, and he's all about good handoffs, and he's all about impartation, and he's all about honor. And so I love next weekend, because I really believe it's going to be a moment where Pastor Ed has this, like, word that kind of settles in and kind of tees us up for the next 20 years of our church. And so God has anointed them for the season that brought us here, and we want to be ready to hear and receive that prophetic word that God has from Pastor Ed and Jody. So can you make sure you carve that out, tell everybody you know, and be here next Sunday uh, for that time with the Garvins. All right, one more time, celebrate that, and then we'll get ready for the word. All right, grab your Bibles if you would please, grab your notebooks, and we're going to get into the word. How many of you have a notebook with you today? Raise your hand. How many have your Bible with you today? Raise your other hand. All right, let's get into the scripture today. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about prayer and thanksgiving. Go ahead and open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Philippians chapter 4. The book of Philippians chapter 4. I love the word, and we're going to dig into this word today and let it kind of build faith and trust in our hearts today. We've been in a series on prayer, talking a lot about the power of prayer. Last week we talked about coming boldly into the throne of grace uh, that God has made a way wide open for you to go talk to the God of the universe, even when you don't feel worthy, amen? But it's awesome because, you know what, when you feel, you know, just sinful or you feel like you failed, and yet the God of the universe is still saying, come, doesn't that make you fall in love with Jesus all over again? Doesn't that make you just say, I'm grateful for his grace? You know, on the days we need his help the most, sometimes we think God wants us to come and we don't need any help. 
We've said it, many of you have heard this illustration before. That's like telling someone, go to the doctor when you're not sick only. But when you get sick, get better and then go to the doctor. When you need help, God has made the way open so we can go get the help we need in time of need. And today, I want to talk to you about two things. One is, what do you do between the moment you ask and the time when you receive in the natural? You know, sometimes that's instantaneous. Sometimes you see, you know, pray something and there's an instantaneous miracle. We even talked about it today. But how many of you know sometimes there's a journey or a gap between the point of when you ask and the point you see it manifest? Has anyone ever seen that in your life before? About 10 of you. The rest of you, do you get everything you want the second you pray for it? Is that you? Is that you? Yeah, okay. All right, just checking. If so, I was going to have you teach me your ways. Teach me your marvelous ways. Because there's quite a few times in my life where I'm praying and I've asked God for something and there's a time delay. It's not, he's not delayed. I'm saying I'm the one walking through the timeline. I mean, you know, God doesn't walk through the timeline. When God makes a promise to him, it's now, amen? It's done, it's finished. Even when he told, you know, the children of Israel to take Jericho, I love it when he told them to take Jericho because he says, see, I've given into your hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. But in the natural, nothing had changed. But in God's mind, the city was already flattened. Isn't that awesome? So when God speaks to you a promise, it's already done. But we have this timeline to walk through. We have this you know, could be days, could be weeks, months, whatever, but God is faithful to do what he promised. I want to talk to you about that today. What do you do in the timeline? What do you do in the waiting? So here we have Philippians chapter 4. Have you found it in your Bibles? Verse 6, do not worry about anything. Your Bible may say don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love that. Don't worry about anything or don't be anxious about anything. How many know that's easier said than done? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I appreciate that encouragement. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know what to do. And I love that God is helping build our faith in this concept of prayer. He's like, hey, talk to me about it. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. Give it to me. Give it to me. And I love that because that also means that in giving it to him, he's already telling us he's going to respond. He's going to in get involved. He's going to intervene. Isn't that great? He's not saying just get it off your chest. He's saying, don't be anxious. Let's get into this prayer thing and I'm going to get on the case. Don't worry about it. But take your fear. Take what's making you anxious right now. Take what's making you nervous or concerned and pray. And so let's stop right there. Whatever is bothering you right now, whatever is plaguing you right now, whatever is keeping you up at night right now, how much have you you actually gone to God and prayed about it. I learned something years ago. There's a big difference between praying about something and thinking about something. Sometimes many of us are like, oh, I pray about it all the time. No, you stew about it all the time. That's not the same thing. Can I hear an amen? amen. Well, I told all my friends about it. That's not coming in agreement with them on prayer. That's called just telling your friends about your problems. See, there's a difference between actually praying, which is taking that issue, taking that thing before the Lord, presenting it to Him, and even seeing the promises of God regarding that thing and giving it to God and saying, God, it is yours now. Have you had that opportunity? Have you taken that moment where you actually cast your care upon the Lord, where you've actually prayed about it? Don't be anxious about anything, but with everything, through everything, prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And I want to get into that because that's, I believe, um, where we're headed here. Real quick, in God's mind, when you pray about something, he's not, 
I just want to help this mindset shift. Praying about something is not being lazy about it either. Sometimes you hear someone say, oh, I'm praying about it, or I've prayed about it. And because we don't always value prayer as a, as a nation or just as human beings, sometimes you think, oh, that's not doing anything. We need to just get to work after it, and we just need to fix it. Look, we do have a part to play sometimes in things, and God will give us those strategies, and God will give us those things that we're supposed to do. But I never want us to have this concept or this, this, this culture that thinks that prayer isn't doing something about what it is that you're facing. Prayer is doing something. Prayer is getting God involved in the something. Prayer is leaning not on your own understanding, but acknowledging God and letting God take whatever work you're putting in and put his super on your natural. Amen? Prayer is us not assuming we know how to fix stuff, but saying, God, get involved and intervene and work with me. See, God designed us to walk with him. Prayer is giving God the faith and permission to walk us through whatever it is we're walking through. So when we never have that concept, if you hear someone say, I'm praying about this or praying about that, sometimes we just had this disrespectful thought like, oh, well, they're not really doing anything. Prayer is an excuse to be lazy. Prayer is not an excuse to be lazy. Prayer is connecting heaven. Prayer is moving mountains. Prayer is who we are. It's why one of the reasons we're on the earth, it bridges the eternal realm to the physical realm. And there's a lot of work and a lot of power being released as we pray. Amen. Just wanted to make sure we were clear on that. So what do I do between asking and receiving? I love the Bible in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. You can write it down from the New King James Bible. It, Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray when he gave us the Lord's Prayer there. But right before he gave us the Lord's Prayer, which is familiar to many of us, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Right before that, Jesus said this, When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And so what I'm trying to help us see here today is there's something that we can do in prayer that is not just repeating the same prayer over and over and over again. I've been there where I've had a need or a concern, and it's like every day you wake up and you say the exact same thing, God, I need help with this, God, help me, God, do this, this, this. And the Bible here is telling us, look, it's, it's not about the many words or this vain repetition. I don't want us to get into vain repetition where, where we're almost praying as if God didn't hear us yesterday. And so it's like, God, because I didn't see the breakthrough today, tomorrow I'm going to pray the same thing just in case you weren't listening. Your Father is listening. And just because it didn't happen immediately doesn't mean He's not paying attention. Doesn't mean He hasn't gone to work. Amen. And so when we communicate and when we speak to Him, Let's not use vain repetition. Let's move into some words of faith, some actions of praise and thanksgiving to help us between asking and receiving. That's what we're talking about today. Because as you're waiting, sometimes we just don't know what to say about it anymore. Have you ever been there? Like, I've said everything I know to say about that need. I've said everything I know to say about this crisis. And it's like every day you're just saying the same thing over and over, asking the same thing, asking the same way. And that's what we're trying to talk about today. Let's move in to another level when it comes to prayer. And I believe Philippians 6 through 7 actually gives us the key. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus began to use this language, believing you receive something. Believing you receive. Do you remember that verse? Believe you receive. When you stand praying, believing you received. That's where we're going with this Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You see, when we pray, we can believe that we've already received what God's promised us. When we pray, you receive it by faith the moment you've engaged with God on it. 
the moment God's put his promise on it, the moment God gives you the yes and amen on the thing, it is coming to pass. It is a done deal. See, Jericho was already given into their hands. It was a done deal, even though there was still days before it happened in the natural. Believing you have received. And so when you pray and, and when you worship, we can begin to pray and worship as if God's already on it, that God's already answered. And that's where we move into prayer with thanksgiving. See, let's go back now to the Philippians verse where it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about it. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. Prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. That's what I want to unite us to today is prayer with thanksgiving. Thankful for what? Thankful for what he's already done. Praise God for that. When you ask and your needs or, or, or you're sharing your needs with God and then you begin to say, God, I thank you because last time I had a need, you met it. Last time so-and-so was sick, you healed them. I remember this when you brought me out of that bondage and that addiction. What do you think is happening when you begin to look at what God has done and celebrating what he has done? It's building your faith for what it is you're believing for. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He is faithful. And so when you begin to speak about his faithfulness, faith comes for the next journey. But I also believe it's thanking him for what it is you've just asked for. It's not just thanking him for what he has done, but it's prayer supplication with thanksgiving. I think it's prayer with thanksgiving for the thing that I just prayed for. It's God, I still in the natural haven't seen this thing change, but I begin to thank you that it is changed. I may not even see my bank account changed, but I thank you that my needs are met, that you supply our needs according to your riches and glory. You see, that I can do every day as worship, rather than saying, God, would you meet my need? God, would you meet my need tomorrow? God, would you meet my need? God, would you meet my need? Don't use vain repetition. You don't pray to an idol. You pray to a God that listens and a God that is answering. And you're not trying to get him to listen to you. You have his undivided attention. He loves you just like he loves Jesus because to him you look like Jesus. You have his righteousness upon you. Amen. Amen. You're not trying to earn God's favor. You're not trying to earn a miracle. You're not trying to earn him listening to you in your prayer life because of your much speaking. You have his attention. So what do I do while I wait? I thank him. I thank him for the mountain to move. I thank him that the mountain is moving. I thank him for the job that I cannot see. I thank him for the healing and my body feels sick. I thank him for the provision when, 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 when financial you know, fear is facing me in front of me. God, I thank you. I worship you for who you are. I worship you that you are on the case. I refuse to let myself get into fear and anxiety anymore. I will worship my king in the middle of my valley. Amen. That's what we do between asking and receiving. That's how we win over the fear and the anxiety. See, it's one thing for God to say, don't be anxious, but he doesn't just say, don't be anxious. He gives us the key to receive peace. Let's go back to that verse again. Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. See, I think if you remove the word thanksgiving, you might not connect to that peace. I think it's, this is a process in scripture that God is giving us. See, we can ask and we can ask and we can ask, but we're still anxious and anxious and anxious. What do you do with your anxiety? You begin to worship God for doing what he said. 
You begin to worship. You begin to put your hands up. Instead of worrying, you worship. I think Pastor Manny has some really cool phrases on that. You don't worry, you worship. You don't do this, you do that. He is so good when it comes to these rhyming sermon things. He, I could tweet Pastor Manny all day long. He is so good with those quotes. But rather than worrying, what do you do with your worry? You don't just tell yourself not to worry. You shift into worship. And peace will press out the worry. I have control over my worship. I have the ability to turn it on and off. I have the ability to choose to worship. The apostles chose to worship in the prison. Amen? You can choose to worship in the fire. You can choose to worship in the prison. You haven't seen the circumstances change, but something's changing in me because I've asked God. I've spoken to God. I've laid hold of his promise. So what do I do while I wait? I worship with thanksgiving. I begin to thank God for what he has done, even if I haven't seen it yet. Is this making sense? See, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Why would it have to go into guarding my heart and mind? Because the Bible never lies to us, never pulls punches. The Bible is telling you, even in that, by saying, don't be anxious and the peace of God will guard you, it's already telling you there's going to be time gaps between when you ask and when you see it happen. Isn't that great? The Bible never lies to us. It's telling you flat out that there's going to be times that you ask and you, you, you present your needs to God and... You're going to need to guard your heart. Why? Because it looks like it isn't happening. Why would the Bible tell you to guard your heart if the second you asked, you got everything you said? You would never have to guard your heart about anything. That's what it says. God, I need healing. Poof, there it is. God, I need financial blessing. Poof, there it is. God, we need deliverance over this, breakthrough over this. Poof, there it is. But you know what? We grow in the journey. Something in us grows and matures, and, 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 and there's these, these, these things are never God not answering or not giving or, or doing what he's promised. There's journey, there's time. I don't have all the answers for each journey because they're all different questions. They're all different answers. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes we're out of alignment. Sometimes there's an appointed time for something to come to pass. It has nothing to do with you being in sin. has nothing to do with the devil. It has to do with that thing is going to happen when it's going to happen because it's on God's time calendar and he needed it to happen that day. Like Jesus had to come the day he came. They could have wanted the Messiah 2,000 years earlier, but he wasn't going to come. He came, the Bible said, in the fullness of time. There are certain promises, there are certain prophecies that are going to come to pass because it's the time for them to come to pass. It's not because you're doing something wrong. It's not because God's angry with you. and It's not because of the devil. Sometimes there's just an appointed time. Go the visionary, wait for it. There's an appointed time. Somebody say amen. amen. Man. It's important that we understand these things in prayer because sometimes we feel like, well, I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. I don't know what to do. I'm waiting and nothing's happening. Something is happening. And how do you water that prayer? And how do you guard your heart? See, the Bible's telling you there's going to be times you need to guard your heart in prayer. Because fear is going to try to get in there. The devil's going to try to whisper in your ear and tell you God's not going to be faithful to what he said. That's a lie. The devil's going to try to tell you that you're not worthy. That's a lie. First of all, you, we were never worthy in the first place, but yet God gave the promise. And then God made us acceptable through the blood of Jesus. Again, I said it earlier today, no one's ever earned a miracle. It was always given by grace. Amen. But the devil loves to whisper, saying, you're, something's... You, you know, God doesn't love you. He's not listening. There's a glass ceiling. There's no such thing as a glass ceiling with God. What we're really saying is our feelings are telling us stuff. Come on, let's be honest. And we put up all this language. God, I feel, we cannot be moved by what we feel. Our feelings can be affected by all kinds of things. There are days I feel like God's listening to me. There's days I don't feel like he's listening to me. And I love when God just kind of brought me into a place where I don't even think about it anymore. I don't ask if I feel like God's listening. 
or he's not listening. Now I just pray and I just know he's listening. I don't, I don't even ask those questions. And the cool part is I'm not bragging on me. I'm saying all of us can get to that place. <laughs> we can get to the place where we don't even wonder. We know he's working on it and it's just, if it's taking longer than we thought, maybe it's bigger than we ever expected. Isn't that a good word? If it's taking longer than you thought, it's probably bigger than you ever imagined. Come on now. Thank you, all four of you on this side. I, I really appreciate your enthusiasm. Thank you very much. The Bible's telling us very clearly there's going to be gaps, delays in, in our mindset. It's in our mindset, delays. And it's, the Bible's telling us to worship, to be thankful, that in doing so, the, the peace of God then begins to guard our hearts and our minds. What do I do with my questions? What do I do with my fears? I worship. I thank God for doing what he promised. I go back and I thank him. I believe I receive. I believe I've received. I believe I've received even if I haven't seen it yet. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of 1 Samuel. Book of 1 Samuel. Chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. You get anything out of this this morning? There's a lady in the Bible named Hannah. Hannah. And she's married to a gentleman named Elkanah. That's the way I pronounce it, I'm sure. Some Hebrew scholars will tell me that's completely wrong. And then he has a wife. I'm not even going to try his second wife's name. Paniah, is that what you said? But Hannah couldn't conceive. And she wanted a child. She wanted to have a child. And the other wife, that, whose name I won't try, she could have children. And they would go to the tabernacle to worship God. And Hannah would pray, and she would just get so discouraged because it was as if nothing was ever going to change, nothing was ever going to happen. And in this one portion of Scripture here, you can read this a little bit maybe later on. She's praying so passionately at the house of God. She's crying. She's pouring out her heart to God. And no words are coming out of her mouth. It's just her mouth is moving. And the priest, Eli looks at her and says, you worthless woman, why are you here drunk in the house of God? Because he assumed with her mouth moving and no words coming out, she was drunk. And she was like, I am not drunk. I'm just pouring out my burden before the Lord. And then Eli looks at her and he says, well, may God grant your request. Let's actually look at that real quick. In that case, verse 17, in that case, Eli said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request you've asked of him. Listen to her response. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Underline that in your Bible, would you? She was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning, went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. A couple things I want you to see there. Hannah prayed, and she was super discouraged. She wasn't eating. She wasn't, you know, cleaning herself up. She was just pouring out her heart before God. And Eli comes in and says, well, in that case, may God answer your request. Here's what I want to share about Eli. Eli was not a great example of a man of God in the Bible. He was really a, a bad high priest. And his sons were terrible. 
it was, it was his sons that got the Ark of the Covenant stolen in battle. They all died on the same day as, as, as God pronounced his judgment upon Eli and his family. It was a wreck. Why do I bring that up? Because the miracle and the promise wasn't between Hannah and Eli. It was between Hannah and God. You know, sometimes people go to a service or they go to a conference and they find out later that that preacher wasn't who we, they thought he was. And maybe everything God promised them at that conference isn't going to happen because of that in-between person. I'm telling you, if God made you a promise, even if the in-between person wasn't who they said, the promise is between you and God. Isn't that awesome? Man, I feel like I just set someone free. Because you've, your heart goes out to somewhere where God spoke to you and you were in some service and something happened with that person and you're like, great, it's all for nothing. No, God heard you. God sees your faith. Amen. The next thing I want you to see is that Hannah took that word, got up, cleaned herself up, went and ate food. Why, why does the Bible record that? Because she wasn't eating. She was she was fasting or she was in too much turmoil to eat but now she chooses to eat and then it says she was no more sad she just made a decision think about this nothing had changed <laughs> right and the bible even says it was like after a journey back home before she got together with her husband Don't make you uncomfortable, but we all know what that all means. And then, not to get too uncomfortable again, but it takes like a month before if you know if anything's happened. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Don't leave me up here by myself as if I'm the only one that understands these things. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have at least, at the minimum, 30 to 40 days between when she heard God say, I'm going to do what I said. And, and we don't know if it was the first month, the second month. We don't know how many months. It could have been months. But the Bible made the decision from the moment she heard the priest look at her and say, may it be done according to your prayer. From that moment, she was no more sad about it. She didn't act like God hadn't heard her. She began to act like she had been heard. She began to act like the promise was yes and amen. She began to change her attitude. She began to change. She cleaned herself up and didn't go around looking all depressed like God wasn't listening. She had to beg God to give her a son or beg God to listen to her. She made a decision. God has heard me. And from that moment on, she was no more sad. You mean to tell me that she never had a doubt in her mind? I don't know. She might have. But she made a decision to no longer let those doubts bring her back to sadness. Let those doubts make her go get all depressed and start, you know, fasting and starving herself and trying to do all this. She began to act as if the miracle was already in process. You see this? We do this in our own personal lives. Occasionally I'll bring up our story with, with our son Isaiah, which has been a 15-year-long journey with him about God restoring mirac miraculously his vision to him they said he was blind, and he sees. 
They said he was going to have all these other complications, and you'll notice he has use of one of his arms, and he's very, we're so proud of you, Isaiah. He's, he works so hard in therapy with his getting up on his knees and standing and his legs and doing so many things that, that the doctors and in the natural, they said he would never do. So how do you stand in faith for 15 years believing for continual miracles, continuing for, for a breakthrough for 15 years? Is it for every day, 365 days a year for 15 years, do I say, God, would you heal him? God, would you heal him? God, would you heal him? No, the way we sustain it, the way we position our hearts is, yes, there's moments where there's certain anointings and services and stuff. We'll go get hands laid on again, or we'll special times of prayer. We'll do that again. But pretty much in the daily grind of it, every day when he goes to bed, we lay hands on him and say, God, we thank you. We thank you that he is healed. We thank you that he is everything that you said he was going to be. We thank you. And that guards our heart and mind for all the things we don't know. And it builds and positions our heart and our faith to the things we do know, that God is faithful to do what he promised. Puts our eyes on God, not on what we don't have, but what we do have and what he said about it. Amen. Is that good? Can you receive that today? Amen. I'm going to bring this to a close here. I had some other illustrations and some other things I was going to share with you, but I really feel like that's kind of the main focus of where I'm going to go today. But I just want to give you one last verse just to encourage you, and then we'll close in a word of prayer. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 just says this. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Amen? And so I want to encourage you today that God hears you. And how do I know if we're praying according to his will? This is where I was going to go, which I, I don't believe I, I need to take too much time with it, but I just want to encourage you, start with the promises of God in the scripture. Because, you know, the Bible says here, if we pray according to his will, we know we have what we've asked. And the word of God is the revealed will of God. So if you have the promise of God in his word, then you know you're praying his will. Amen? And so we start with the word. And God has, Jesus has paid for so much for us. And when we can start on that word, we can have confidence that those requests are yes and amen. So I just want to encourage you that with today. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have those petitions that we have asked for. You know what? You know what? Healing is the will of God for you. So when you're asking for healing, you're not wondering whether or not is it his will. He's already shown us his will through scripture. Deliverance from addiction, deliverance from bondage, and you're asking God to set you free from an addiction, that is his will. That's within the boundaries of the scripture. And so you can have confidence that freedom from addiction is yours. Freedom from bondage and deliverance is yours. Amen? Okay, I just want to finish this because you guys are being so good. This is, let me just show you this illustration. Gosh, I'm trying to stop. I know what Josue is going through. These, these boundaries here, this is what it means to pray within the word. When you pray within the lines of the word, you have so much confidence in your prayer life. It doesn't matter if it takes one day, one year, ten years, a hundred years. Because you are praying according to the word, you are confident you have what he has spoken. What happens is if we pray out here, if we're asking for all kinds of crazy stuff that his word doesn't give us permission to ask for, right? Like pray, I don't want to use this illustration because it's a really negative one, but if you were praying for, to have someone else's wife to become your wife, that's outside of scripture. 
the answer to that from God is no. Okay? But if you pray within the boundaries of the scripture, doesn't matter how long it takes. You can have confidence. You can have peace. This is also why it's important that you learn the Bible. Because if you don't know what belongs to you, the devil can steal it from you. Okay? So it's important that you go to Bible studies. It's important that you are discipled in the word. But there are precepts and principles and promises. For every problem, there's a promise. And we need to know how to apply those promises in our lives. And there's a lot of balance to this whole thing. My pastoral teacher heart wants to show you how to do that. For instance, you don't just take a scripture and say, well, it's in the Bible, therefore it's, I'm just going to stand on it. For instance, Jesus told Peter to come and walk on water. And so if you just want to go walk off a pier into the ocean and you're quoting that scripture, you may drown. Jesus told Peter to walk on water. Jesus told Peter to walk on water. Well, it was in the Bible. I quoted scripture. You have to know context. You have to know who it's being spoken to and what the principle might be. So here's the principle with that one. It's not that you should go walking on swimming pools. The principle there is this. If Jesus tells you to do the impossible, you're empowered to do the impossible. That's the principle. That's the principle. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.